השיעור הזה לעילוי נשמת ירמיהו בן דוד רוח העולם תנוחנו בגן עדן We did the Pesukim. Did we get up to the Perak Kaf Vav yesterday? Did we do all of the Pesukim of the sale of the, yes. of the lentil soup? We did no, the Pesukim? No. no, we didn't do We didn't yes, do So let's quickly do the Pesukim. Yes. Let's do the Pesukim and then I have four points to analyze yes. about, this, about this. So, Pasuk 27. Mm-hmm. The, the boys grow up. Esav was a man who knew how to hunt, was a man of the field. Yaakov ishtam Yoshev Ohalim. Yaakov was a simple man or a, maybe a peaceful man. Tam is a difficult word to translate because it has multiple meanings. But he was a simple man who dwelled in tents or a calm man, let's say. I, I like the transition of calm more because I think that's... He says abiding in tents. Right, he, he lived in tents. What that means is that he was a shepherd, it seems, because the shepherd is the person who... They would pitch their tents in order to, you know, they would, they would, the reason a shepherd is described as living in tents is because they would constantly have to be moving. So they would pitch their tent here, then they would move and pitch their tent here. <laughs> Yitzchak liked Esav because Sa'id Befiv. How do you translate Sa'id Befiv? There was game. game in his mouth. It seems like it, what it means is that Esav would provide food for the family, meaning he saw that, that he was bringing game and food to him to eat. So he liked that part. But Rivka loved Yaakov. But Rivka loved Yaakov. And Yaakov one day, and, and now we're skipping many generations, many, many years. Because we just... Already, we, suddenly, they're, suddenly they're up, they're, they're old, they're grown up. and So we, we, uh, their childhood is, is, a bit, um, is a bit opaque. So one day Yaakov is, is cooking a lentil soup or whatever they call it. Stew, a stew. Called. yeah. And Esav comes from the field and he is tired. So Esav says to Yaakov, and now we quote, which is important because we have to know the way Esav talks. That's important. So he says, Pour me some of this red, red stuff. Because I am tired. That's why his national name, meaning not his personal name, but his national name Edom. became to us Edom. We started calling them Edom based on the story of the Adom Adom Azeh, which is a story that we played a part in. Right? So it's a relevant story for us. So the Jewish name for the nationhood of Esav became Edom. So Yaakov says, Sell me the Bechora, sell me your Bechora, your firstborn uh, status, sell, sell it to me in exchange for this lentil soup or stew. And Esav says, Behold, I will die. And why should I need this Bechora? Uh, why do I need this firstborn? So he says, Swear to me. And he swears to him. And he sells his birthright to Yaakov. And Yaakov had given to Esav lechem unzid adashim. He gave him bread and this lentil, this pottage of lentils. He eats and he drinks. 
He eats, he drinks, he rises up, and he goes, and Esav despised the Bechorah. Just like that. Just like that. And, and you see in the last Pasuk, what, 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 what sense when the text is telling you, when he eats and he drinks and he gets up and Just he like goes. An and the, the idea is that it was as if, you know, we did it quickly. He's selling the most, one of the most essential things. But it seems like it's not important to him from the beginning. Yeah, it's not, it's not important to him from the beginning, clearly. And, and, so what is the firstborn? Thing. What is this? Yeah, what bichora? is the concept behind it? Being the the con- so there are multiple interpretations. No, but, no, but saying as a, as a, forget about blessing. But yeah, let's pause. There are three interpretations to what this firstborn thing is. This firstborn ship. One is that it's a double double inheritance. The double inheritance yes. that that we typically see, meaning that all nations must have had some kind of preferential treatment for the firstborn. That allows the firstborn to get the double portion in the household. So the first interpretation is that it was a monetary thing. The second interpretation is, what was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting all three, but I'll tell you the third one. The third one was that it's in reference to the, what was it? The head of the household. The head of the household, meaning the person who will take on the name of the household and be like the, the, the patriarch of the household. Becomes a... You, you know, if the father passes away, who becomes takes, a leader of the household takes next? The fatherly, the, fatherly, the fatherly position. Right, the fatherly position. That's an, and then the third interpretation that it's referring to the person who is the successor to Yitzchak in terms of the brachot of Abraham. Yes, yes. Which would make sense in light of the last bracha. Mm-hmm. And it would mean that these two things... So, so one of the big questions in our parasha, which we're not going to answer, is what is the relationship between... The Bechorah here And the Berachah that Yaakov takes from Esav at the end When Yaakov buys the Bechorah here yes. Is he buying rights to that Berachah That Yitzchak is it going seems, to give at the it end It seems like that, yes So maybe, but you could also say If this is purely, if this one that we see here Is purely a monetary thing That it's just double portion in the household, then there is no real relationship between the, the son who gets the double portion and the son who gets the blessing. holds on to the covenant of Abraham. I think so this is not be, related at all. The way it presents it, it doesn't relate to, to the monetary side. You don't think this is a monetary thing? No. Anyways, I'm just showing you the options. The, the, I, I these are all, this is all up for interpretation. Nowhere here it says that he was, you know, suddenly he was wealthy or anything like that. And Yitzchak had a lot of wealth. Right, but, but that, that's because the, the, the double portion is given upon the death of the father. Correct. But even so we wouldn't point. know right now anyways, we yeah. wouldn't know if this yeah, is a monetary a thing. You have a point. Wow. Anyways, there are multiple interpretations, and I, I'm just bringing it to the fore. Again, one of the things we do most in this class is I raise the questions, and you guys could think Tell about it. Sleep. <laughs> that, yeah, so that nobody could sleep. Perhaps. None of us sleep anyway, so it makes it works. Perhaps... Maybe he looked at it. Let's look at it like this. Perhaps he said, we're twins anyway. What's the difference a minute no, before? Oh, so, so, what, what, to, so pause for a second. He wanted to getting the blessing. So you think, you think it's fully yes. related. You yes. think Yaakov yes. is now purchasing rights to the blessing that he will later take. Yes, to certify that. And you know. what was happening there is that he saw that Esau was going to forget about this, this, this uh, deal they made. And Esau was going to go take the blessing. So he said, no, 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 this is my blessing. I don't want to fight Esau, so I'll do it behind his back. 
because it's mine anyways. So it's a, it's a, it makes it makes sense as an interpretation. Wait, I want to pause on this on this discussion though because we can go in circles and, and we don't. There's, there, no it's, there's a lot of conjecture, <laughs> but what I do want to focus on, uh, which is the maybe the fourth point I wanted to make. No, this is the second point I wanted to make. What we do know about the story is that it's highlighting something very, very specific about Esav. What does this story highlight about Esav's character? He doesn't care about anything. He's very... Not that he doesn't care about anything, but that he's not a long-term thinker, that he's an impulsive person. Yes, right now. I'm and hungry. I need to feed my food. Exactly. Myself. I'm hungry now. Who cares about the future? I'm going to die anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take now. And it goes to show that Esav has this... This very impulsive, uh, short-term thinking, yeah. which is going to be his, his, his big downfall, is that what a Jew requires and what the, the household of Abraham needs is the long-term thinking. You know, whenever Abraham had the Brit ben Abitarim, remember what we said was the, the key lesson for Abraham in the Brit ben Abitarim? That Abraham was thinking, until now, God promised me that my descendants would be great, and now he's telling me that it's actually going to be through suffering and through a 400-year servitude in Egypt before the blessings come true. And what did Abraham learn from that experience? The long-term game. That, that I have to think in terms of the long-term game, that not everything is immediate. The satisfaction isn't immediate. So it seems like the nation of, of, of Abraham is going to need to be able to think in terms of long-term and delaying gratification now for the sake of the benefits in the future to withstand suffering in the current for the sake of the blessing later. And Esav does not seem to show those characteristics. We see from the last pasuk, he gets up, he eats and he drinks and he gets up and he goes and he's done. Everything is impulsive. So that's the big problem with Esau. Interestingly, it seems to be true today as well. Yes. Where Jews, Jews are famous for saving money. Yes. Not, not in like a, I'm not saying this as like an no, anti-Semitic, like, oh, Jews, uh, they're, they're, they're cheap. It's, it's, it's a very famous thing. It comes that, off as being stingy. But it's no, it's it just... Like a, we won't live for our kids later. No, people... We won't live for our kids. We won't live for our kids. Jew, in, in terms of money, money, Jews have proven, I don't know how that ha- this happened, but Jews have proven to be the best money managers in the world. And, and this is like an historical thing also. I think it's not just the recent no. today that Jews are very good in finance. I think it has, Jews have this mentality of invest for the future, focus on the future, delay gratification now. Oh, that it, it's very within our culture to yeah. be like that. Live for the kids. It's a, very, it's a typical kids. Jewish yes. culture to live for the kids, to be able to think about the future, to save and invest for the future. And that's one of the things that make us good with money. They highlight our nationhood, but it's also a very important holy trait for the sake of being able to endure because the Jewish people are going to endure a lot of suffering before the blessing comes yes. true. So it's very essential. Wow. And maybe this is already highlighting why Esav is not going to be good for the covenant. How will Esav, the impulsive Esav, be able to, be able to handle the fact that his kids will be slaves in Egypt? Will he be able to handle that? It's funny that the next pasuk is Right. You have to save because there's, there's sometimes you have Sometimes you have... Oh, that's interesting. So you're trying to say that the next thing about the famine is going to show... See, if you act like Esav, what happens when there's a famine? You're ready. You're I mean, if you, if, you, if you act like Esav, you're not ready. I mean, right. Okay, so that was oh, no, one of the yes, points I wanted to make. Yes. That was one of the points I wanted but to make. From Yaakov, you have Joseph. That Joseph taught how to save to be able to go to... Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. We're going to get to the Yosef story. Yosef, Yosef story is fascinating. It's one of my favorite... My, fi- I, my name is Yosef, so I, I like this song. <laughs> Okay, so 
next thing I wanted to point out about the story is the difference in their... Remember we said yesterday, I closed by saying, if I am a storyteller and I want to show and I want to present a story in which there's a decision that needs to be made between two brothers and there's a competition between two brothers, what do you do? You make them twins. So the fact that they're twins is not by accident. It's because the Torah wants to highlight a very key difference between the brothers. It wants to highlight something, a fundamental difference between the brothers. And I think the simplest thing we could see about this thing that's being highlighted between the two brothers is their occupations. So what are their two occupations? Esav is ish yodeat ish sadeh. He's a man who knows how to hunt, a man of the field, and Yaakov is a simple man, Yoshev Ohalim, who dwells in tents. Shepherd may be calm, quasi-leader of his sheep, but very calm and kind, taking care. And, and, and if you look, if you really want to think about it, what does a shepherd do? The shepherd tends to the sheep and the flock for their own, and he, and he all day is being good to yes, animals. He has a good heart. You have a good heart, have but, a, good heart. but a hunter all day is killing o- opposite. animals. Opposite. Opposite. <laughs> so there's a, quite a contrast. They're twins and they're pretty much opposites. Totally. Now, if you are a pagan and you want to start, if you want to found a very, very powerful nation, if you're a pagan thinker, which son do you choose? It's a, it's a hunter. You choose the hunter. Yes. Because in the pagan mindset, what makes a nation strong? It's, 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 the, it's the practical strength, the physical strength, the ability to destroy one's enemies and to fight and to kill. It's the fighter. But now in the Torah's mentality, what is the, good, what is the quality that's chosen? The good. It's the goodness. Let's just finish it and then wow. we'll... So it's the goodness, it's the good qualities of Yaakov, it's the calm, good behavior the tenderness which becomes a Jewish way. And, and maybe it takes... Now, it, what's interesting is they say, why does Esav like... Why does Yitzchak like Esav of the two? Maybe because Yitzchak was so tender and calm and he was kind of timid. We see we don't hear much from him in the story. He said, how could it be that a man like me who is calm is going to found this great nation? So he said, maybe I need a, a, a son like Esav to counterbalance that and to be that strong man. But the lesson is no. The choice is Yaakov, the calm one, who is the, the, the one who is going to continue the tradition of Abraham and who is going to found the nation. So Yahadut, if you want to, to come... Essence. The, the essence of Yahadut is not going to be military might and prowess. It's going to be goodness, kindness. sitting in the tent, kindness, calm, kindness. calm exactly. Mercy. Yeah, that's a very, very deep Which, uh, When you said before about money in long term, You're right. also don't you believe that what we do, the goodness in this world, it's not the reward in this life, but it's in the next world. So it's like long term as well. As right, well. of course, what the, the whole idea of... They say, Rahman. Um, um, they say, the three qualities. Mercy, 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 mercy. Uh, uh, I remember it. Look, okay, it's in... Um, yeah. Is it in Pirkavot? I think so. Yeah, it's it in. It's a, whoever has these three qualities is a descendant of Avraham Avinu. I, I don't know. I don't know the, the three. Okay, so that was the second point that, that highlights the difference between these two sons. Impatient. Now, my friend David Levian, he's my chavruta. He uh, he always has deep insights because he also he we read the same sources. Both of us use the same sources. Which I'm, I give a shiur and he he 
probably studies more than me on the parasha. So uh, he pointed out something very interesting. He said, based on what we were saying, you remember what we said was one of the lessons that Abraham may have learned in the story with Abimelech? We said one of the lessons is that when Abimelech takes Sarah, God then goes to Abraham and says, uh, God goes to Abimelech and says, go to Abraham and ask him to pray for you because he's yes. a Navi. Yes. And then Abraham prays and Abimelech gets better. And from there we learn that we have to... From there we learn that prayer works. Yes. We learn that it's a Jewish... That's, that's a very Jewish thing. Praying for others. Also. But we said Especially. praying for others. But what do we say also that maybe even Abraham... Because Abraham is founding the... I mean, he's founding the ideology. Does he know that prayer is that effective? Does he know that with his tzidkut and with his greatness, he, uh, he has the power of prayer as well? Uh, no. no. So we don't... don't know, just, we, no. So that's an interesting point. He doesn't, we made that he doesn't prove maybe, that he, maybe Abraham himself is... God, you're telling me to pray for this man that it, it works that, that well? Okay. And then what happens? We, what we were saying yesterday about Yitzchak is that we don't know if Yitzhak is only continuing the tradition or he's building upon the tradition. But what David pointed out is if one of the things that Abraham learns in his lifetime is prayer, then, and he did not pray for Sarah to get pregnant, what do we see that Yitzhak does? Praise for Yitzhak. He prays for Yitzhak to get but pregnant. beginning, right away. So maybe Yitzhak is building upon the lesson that Abraham learned in terms of his prayer, that he's 2.0, that he's, no, now I, I saw from my father with the story of Avimelech. I'll take it to him. That, that prayer works Now I know that I could pray And what happens He prays and he is answered So that's an interesting idea it, It's Again It's a, spec, a little bit speculation But it's an, it's an interesting idea And now the final point Which I think will be The, the final point of the day I, I, There's um, I have a feeling That the duality Between Yaakov and Esav Represents more than just A small Difference between them That that is just a, a, a localized difference between two brothers about one brother who's more intense and one brother who's less intense. I have a feeling that these two ways of life actually represent more of a, of a broad difference between the two typical ideologies that you find within mankind. Yes. Within one person, you mean? No, 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 no within mankind. mankind. Oh. Yes, I agree. I think that I think I think you have these two ways of approaching the world, the Esav way of approaching the world and the Yaakov way of approaching the world, and and the older I get, the more I see that there there aren't that many ideologies. In in, in I have a feeling there are only two, to be honest. There are two ideologies, and I'll tell you what I think they are. Uh, do you, did you notice that any time there is a political movement? Anytime there's a political movement that's not, you know, based on Torah values, it always comes out the same. If you look at, if you compare the Soviet Union with Nazi Germany, do you know what they both had in common? Well, A, they, they both were godless. They both deified their leader. Okay. But B, they both ended up in the murder and the slaughter of millions of people. Yes. So, and, and the, the irony is that it's fascism or Nazism is considered to be a right-wing ideology. Yes. And the Soviet ideology is a left-wing ideology. Totally. So, but they come out, they do the same thing. <laughs> and so, so I have, and they come out being exactly the same. They do, they have the same exact tactics. They silence their, uh, the, the people who contend against them. They, they murder people who disagree with them. And then they claim totalitarian power over the people. All, they're all the same. So, 
I was thinking about it and I was saying, if, if, does it really make sense that the Nazis are considered to be right-wing and the Soviets are considered to be, if they're, if they're, both, if they're considered to be on opposite sides of the political spectru- spectrum, then why do they behave exactly the same? Yeah, <laughs> so I don't like that way of looking at things, that way of looking at the political spectrum. I, I, I personally, I divide it in two ways, the godly and the non-godly. It seems like there are really, really only two ideologies in humanity, in the history of humanity, and that is, are you going to follow the way of God? Wait, are you going to follow the way of God? Or are you going to follow, are you going to not follow the way of God? And now what happens when you don't follow the way of God? There are no rules. Well, let me bring you back to the story of Adam and Chava. How did Chava get seduced into eating from the tree? Well, she was told that if you eat it, that you will be like gods who know good and bad. And what seduced her was the idea of becoming godly. So I think there are two, really two ideologies in this world. You have the ideology that centers everything on God and recognizes the human place in God's world, or the ideology that does away with God and then ends up, maybe out of fear of our mortality, deifying ourselves and making ourselves God. And whenever we, human beings, forget that God exists and are not constrained by the will of the Almighty and we turn ourselves into gods instead, how do we behave? Well, we do whatever we want, which means whoever comes into power will do whatever he wants to maintain his power, which means that whether you're a Nazi or a communist, you will slaughter the people who disagree with you. So, again... I don't like all of these political, um, the way they, they break down politics. I, t- I, like, I think of the world in, in the godly and the non-godly. The non-godly, if once you lose God, it may take a few generations because you could, you, know, you could be riding on the fumes of the previous godly generation. Like I think what's going on in the United States right now is that the, the country is in decline because they are losing God. Now people say, wait, but it's still a great economy and things are going well. Yeah, because only one generation ago, the majority of the country was religious and believed in God and was good. Now it'll take some time for it to unwind. You know, we, could, we, can, um, we, can, we can ride on empty for a little bit, but ultimately the country that forgets God will d- devolve into something a little bit darker. Will devolve into a place where might becomes right, where whoever is strongest will the jungle, take the power, the jungle, the jungle, will be the law the jungle, of the jungle, jungle. the law like of the jungle. jungle. Not like the Yoshev Halim, the law of the jungle. So I think that represents... Now, as a, as a corollary to that, I personally, people always say, what's the most natural... Um, I personally think that the two-party system is the most natural system because I think ultimately the two sides will divide up into the godly and the non-godly. I think these are the only two possible alternatives. The two potential ideologies that we could have are the godly and the non-godly. So people say, we should have a parliamentary system in which there are 15 parties, each one focused on their, on their minute thing. I, I, don't, I don't... I agree with you. I think... I think this way or that way? That's it. I think it's much... I don't think that's a natural way of breaking down ideology. I think... Naturally, people will fall into one of two groups. And people say, what's, but, but it's so weird, the right or the left, what's the relationship between me caring about this to me caring about abortion? Uh, maybe, I, I think there is a relationship. You have to be a little bit of, deep, of a deeper thinker to see the relationship there. But I think it all stems, once you put God at the center of your life, 
a lot of things become different. A lot of things become influenced by that. And if you take God away from it, then slowly, slowly you'll put yourself in the center and you'll turn yourself into a God like right. Chava tried to do. Right. So I think that's, it's a very deep idea, but I think that, that represents, it. I think Yaakov and Esav are more archetypes for a much deeper yes. understanding about the way humanity tends to, to move, the direction humanity tends to move. And I think it's an interesting thing to start to see the world in terms of instead of the, the dumb political division between right and left, which again doesn't make any sense because for Nazis to be on the right and for communists to be on the left, it, it's the only reason Nazis are on the opposite side of the spectrum from communists is because they hated each other, because, because they were at war. But, they but what's, what's, the, what's the difference? The mentality is the same. The mentality, the mentality is the same. The behavior was the same. They did, they did the exact same thing. Propaganda was, was the, the rule of thumb. They killed people they disagreed with. How is that any different? They both stymied the, the, the people for the sake of their personal gain. Yeah, so I don't know why people, uh, again, I think this is the, the, the most advanced way to look at the polit uh, uh, politics of the world is through this duality between the godly and the ungodly. So uh, yeah, tomorrow we continue with the story of the, of the meeting between Yitzhak and Abimelech, which we've seen before. Yes, the same. <laughs> Let's see how we can analyze that. Sorry. Amen. 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 Amen.